0: The WorldCoin project is now live. It's on Maynet. The WLD, I guess it's wild? No, world. (laughs) The world world token is in the wild. Orbs are deployed and the crypto community absolutely hates it. Bankless Nation, it is the last Friday of July. That
1: means it's the last weekly rollup of July. Well, I spoiled it, but uh, what time is it, David? Oh, Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday Weekly Rollup, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, especially this week. This one's going to be a long one, so we're going to try to move fast. Yet we persevere into the frontier, nonetheless, this time quickly. I have no coffee this time, but I'm sure you do. Yeah, I always have coffee. Uh,
0: yeah. Always. I, you know, never doubt. Why, why don't you have coffee? Do they not have coffee in Switzerland?
1: Uh, they do have coffee in Switzerland. I choose to not drink coffee at 6.41 p.m.,
0: <laughs> it's late where you are, huh? It is late, yeah. This Tomorrow, late you climb in a mountain. You climb in the uh, mountain. Yes,
1: yes. Climbing uh, Mount Pollux, which is a training mountain. And then we come back and rest. Uh, and then we climb Matterhorn the next day. Jeez, man. Well, yeah. uh, we'll be training If I open up these windows course. behind me, you would, you would see the Matterhorn.
0: We've got a lot to talk about this week, uh, mountains yeah. aside. We've got a mountain of uh, content to climb here. So number one, WorldCoin just launched. And most people love it, hate it. it. Everyone loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone
1: loved the WorldCoin launch, universally beloved launch. Everyone was so excited for it. Um, Yeah, no, obviously not. Uh, We're going to go through the takes of varying degrees of of quality. Uh, Vitalik, of course, had a rational take. And then uh, there's just a bunch of things to unpack, including the topic of uh, WorldCoin on the Bankless podcast. We were we were a bit of main characters. I was a bit of a main character this week since you weren't on the episode. Uh, So we'll talk about that. Yeah,
0: you know what they say about main characters, David. You gotta, we got to avoid that whenever <laughs> possible. But uh, we also got a main character crypto bill that's in the House, mm-hmm. the, the House of Representatives, that is. It's actually maybe a good one. So we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a bad mm-hmm. bill in the Senate. So we'll contrast those two things. David, we got to also talk about this new X thing. Twitter has become mm-hmm. X, and uh, Elon wants to make it the everything app. Does crypto have a story in there? I don't know. I want to get your take on some of the changes that are coming down the pike.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I, it's a complete mess. But I I continue to reserve my judgment. But we'll talk about that when we talk about X. Also, it's weird to call it X. It's just not going to stick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I'm still calling it Twitter. Uh, also, the recession seems to be off. At least that's what Powell is saying. We'll talk about that. And also the phase of the market that we're in. Last week we gave you permission to be bullish. This week I feel mm-hmm. like it's a phase of the market that starts with an A. We'll get to that mm. in the market section. But what could that we- be? Before we do, though, we got to tell you about our friends and sponsors over at Stater. They are building a liquid staking protocol. David, you want to tell us about it?
1: Yeah, Stator, it's the new LSD on the block. New LSD just dropped. Uh, And we want more LSDs. We want more decentralized staking service providers. The cool thing about Stator is that if you want to run a node with Stator, you only need four Ethers. One of the lowest capital requirements that I've seen around. They have a pledge, of course, to uh, self-cap if that day ever comes that they need to implement that. Uh, permissionless pool of staking node operators. These are the words that we like to hear. Uh, so if you want to stake your ETH with Stater and run a node with Stater, there is a link in the note, in the show notes. Uh, check it out if it seems right for you. You can also get some SD token issuance on top of your ETH yield if you choose to stake with Stater
0: check it out there's a link in the show notes uh David let's get to the market section this week and we got to start with King Bitcoin over here in the Kraken Pro charts. thanks to Kraken for allowing us to pull this up um looking at well, what are the numbers for Bitcoin this week
1: 29800 is where we started 29300 is where we ended lost 500 on the week we are down 1.6 percent which I call flat that oh. is flat. In crypto. We call it flat. How about ETH price? Yeah. Same, 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 flat, flat. 1890 to 1870 down 1%, uh, even flatter, even flatter.
0: Back in the 1800s, huh? Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. We'll I don't it. like the 1800s. I don't like it. Was Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't. I wasn't best alive time. back then. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would rather <laughs> 1900s and then 2000s, yeah, really like you 1900s, know, and then we're finally yeah. into the future. Uh, uh-huh. ETH Bitcoin ratio. Is that saying anything on the week?
1: Uh, up half a percent to 0.064, just under. Um, flat, it's flat.
0: Well, you know where the party is, David? Elsewhere. It's elsewhere. Yep, It's not in crypto. It's uh, over in Stockland. So we are viewing the NASDAQ chart here and mm-hmm. is creeping even higher towards all-time highs on the week. And this is really interesting to me because you contrast that with what the Fed is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, flipping to our Fed watch, the Fed just raised interest rates again this week. And this is the highest level in 22 years They increased the interest rate by 0.25%. This was sort of expected to a target range of 5.25% to 5.5%. And the question is, of course, will they raise again in September? Um, Powell Mm. said, I would say it's certainly possible that we will raise funds again at a September meeting if the data warranted. And I would also say it's possible that we would choose to hold steady. Anything is possible is what... uh, Powell is saying his comments on inflation, he said it's moderated since the middle of last year. And that's certainly what we're seeing in the data. Yes, moderated inflation. CPI is now at 4.8% when you exclude food and energy. I don't know if you should exclude food or energy, but the Fed still seems determined to hit 2% and still says they have a long way to go. But here was the headline news here. Powell also said that the Fed staff is no longer forecasting a recession. No longer forecasting a recession.
1: Recession's very canceled. Interesting. If it's not being forecasted, it's not happening. That's how well, recessions work. How do you take that? Um, I mean, the people who are saying
0: that a recession is imminent, it, it hasn't hit yet. And now the Fed is saying there's not going to be a recession. A lot of different uh, ways uh, to Recession take is this. such What's a nebulous
1: take? term. I like, I, I all these headlines I mean, really not, just though. grind it's, my it's gears. Two,
0: it's two quarters of negative GDP growth. Like it has a definition.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, but the GDP measurements are poor. Inflation measurements are poor. Rece- like recession is also something that exists in like consumer appetite and consumer confidence. Like there's so many things that go into what we're actually trying to talk about, which is like, do we have to hunker down or are we just, Do we just like, check a technical box saying we're in a recession. I was talking to one of my macro friends and they, uh, they, their hot take was that we've been in a recession. We're already in a recession. And it just because the numbers that the Fed measures shows that we're not in a recession on a technical level doesn't actually like sh- mean anything. It's so qualitative. It's so interesting though.
0: Why would, like Powell is coming up fairly strongly in saying that they're no longer forecasting a recession. He's not Yeah, because the thing they want be to say we stuck right the up. landing. We threaded the needle. You're welcome. It's we're the be, Fed, but it would be very strange if, in a quarter or two, he has to eat those words and say, "Oops, I was wrong again." But they're uh, the
1: they're the arbiters of recession.
0: You were Jim I mean, Bianco's I know not, take. not. But uh, Jim Bianco's take. My take on the Fed hike statement of the presser so far provided the least amount of information of any meeting since they started hiking in March 2022. Powell's going out of his way to say nothing and not commit to anything. I
1: hate these games. I he, he hate these on. games. Well, but this, this now is we're the are not, not even are we interpreting the words that they say. Now we're interpreting the lack of words.
0: Yeah. Uh, he also added to this tweet. I spoke too soon, says Jim. This headline just caused risk markets to fall. Powell, Fed staff no longer forecasting recession. This is how upside down we are. This is his comment on, right. on the Fed uh, right. no longer forecasting recession. The Fed no longer sees a recession is thought to be bearish for stocks because it opens the door to more hikes or higher for longer. I've often joked that stocks would make a new high if the economy unemployed enough people. I was trying to be funny, but the market appears to be taking this idea very seriously. Too
1: seriously, oh
0: <laughs> I, I just, I don't know what's going on, to be honest, David. So the the recession hasn't come yet. That's one data point. Inflation seems to be tamed. Stocks are pumping. Real estate's up. Yes, bonds got a massive haircut. They got, you know, somewhat destroyed. So there's that. Wealth inequality, of course, has continued to increase, so there's that. But it feels like a lot of the macro bears have been incorrect so far, so far. And so some of them are saying, it sounds to you like, well, just you wait. It's coming, right? We just haven't right. felt the, you know, the wave uh, hit us. Like, you know, there's been an earthquake in the ocean and there's a tidal wave out in the horizon. It just hasn't hit yet. We're just kind of waiting for it. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering at this point, like, where yeah. is, <laughs> why aren't stocks down? Like, he, here's my big question for everyone in Macro right now. How is it possible that Fed interest rates have been raised to 20-year highs, and yet the stock market is also nearing yeah, that's all-time highs? I was told this couldn't happen, David. Right. Yeah. I,
1: that is crazy, the, actually.
0: Uh, a commenter on that tweet um, said, I never thought it could. 5% inflation would cause a depression scenario, is what I thought. Yet here we are and consumers are consuming away regardless. It's kind of unreal in my opinion. That's kind of the contrast to me. Is like the rates have been raised to 20 year highs and yet risk on assets, aside from crypto, but risk on, assets, risk on are assets are going back to uh, all time right. highs. How does that yeah, make Yeah, that's sense? actually nuts.
1: If you told us, if you told us back in the start of 2022, when like everyone in the crypto industry, including myself, was getting our minds wrapped around interest rates and flows and... Risk assets, and then halfway through twenty twenty two, we're all pummeled, and then we're all gripping the edges of our seats, saying, right, "When's the pivot? When's the pivot?" And the pivot has not come. I mean, it's it's. There's been a decrease in acceleration of the of the raising of interest rates, but there has been no Fed pivot, not even after the Silicon Valley banking crisis, and so after all of that. Uh, uh, we still at at tech stocks, all time highs. If you told us that like in early 2022, that would have been like, oh yeah, they did thread the needle. They got it right. Look at that. That's what I'm saying.
0: That's what I'm saying. And I I don't understand what's going on. I, I guess still my base case, again, what do I know about macro, uh, is that this is some kind of slow motion excess money printing inflationary crisis but it's just happening so slow, like we just don't really know what the effects are. I know I would not want to be in sovereign bonds, that's for sure. I know that wealth inequality is going to increase. I, I have no idea what inflation is going to do in the future. I have no idea mm-hmm. about a recession. No idea. And now I'm like, I'm not sure it even, even matters. That's the thing. I don't know that it matters what what uh, Powell does in September. And and that's a, mm-hmm. kind
1: of a weird place to be. I think the markets they are matter. saying that. They, they just have like interest rate fatigue. I guess that,
0: so at this point, what I do is I just I just kind of shrug, ignore macro, and just yeah. keep buying crypto. Because <laughs> yep. I, I still think well, that in kind of this money printing world. Even when I
1: wasn't ignoring macro, I was still buying crypto. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I'm going back to ignoring it. Clearly I don't understand what's going on here. Mm. Um, I think the question is, where are we in the market? And I promised an A word to describe mm. this. Um, I call this the accumulation phase of the market. And we could see it on the chart in front of us right now. This is Bitcoin long-term holder supply and the number is up. So Bitcoin long-term holders control 75% of the circulating supply now, and this is an all-time high. And this happens at every point in kind of the bear market, particularly at at this phase, the accumulation phase, is the long-term holders, they're not selling. They're continuing to buy. They're continuing to to, um, pile in, right? Those with conviction are just like, not only holding through it, they're actually adding to their stack. This is happening with assets like Bitcoin, This is happening with high conviction assets like Ether. It's happening right now. And so what this means is these are going to be the winners on the other side of this market. Everyone who got scared, everyone who sold low, those are the losers. Everyone who's not accumulating right now, those are going to be the losers on the other side of this market. And it just plays out like this every single time because human psychology has not changed in 200,000 years of our history here.
1: It, it's just a natural order of things. Like the short-termers come in, they buy the top, they get shook out. Uh, and then people have to sell for the next year due to a collective reasons of, you know, other people losing conviction. They have to sell for taxes. They have to sell for whatever. And then like we run out of sellers and then people start to get okay and comfortable with where the market lands. And then sellers turn into buyers or buyers start buying. Like the resonance between so many of the things we're talking about in the market like stocks, pumping and crypto being in in an accumulation phase that's 2019 we've i've seen this movie before that's what we were doing this time four years ago like it's the pattern is just happening once again and four years
0: before 2019 they were doing it like in 2014 2015 right it's like this is this has happened before it'll happen again i think that um sometimes people tend to overcomplicate crypto investing right um they they try to focus on like how to win And what I would say is from like our years in investing in this asset, we can't tell you everything it takes to win, but I know you are going to lose if you're selling your ETH and your Bitcoin, right? Like (laughs) that's the recipe for losing. (laughs) Uh, I think the people who have done best in crypto, in my experience, I don't know if this applies to you, David, is just the one thing they've done consistently is they've just held. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, it's as you simple as that, isn't it? the waves wash around you. Yeah, yeah. you don't even. Yeah. It's nice if you accumulate. If whenever one of my trades don't doesn't work, I just hold it until it does. <laughs> is that true for every trade? I know you bought um, some. It's a, a a surprising number of them. If you have <laughs> conviction,
0: you hold. That is the rule here. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Speaking of different conviction, let's talk about uh, layer twos. So the layer two wars are have continued They're to be. They're the up. hottest
1: they've ever been. They're um, so spicy right now.
0: This was uh something that, that happened this week. Optimism flipped Arbitrum in terms of mm-hmm. daily transactions. That's the red line. The here. first time that's For, ever happened. Yeah, flipping the blue line. Uh and so that is a new event in the layer two wars. It doesn't mean Arbitrum's mm-hmm. out though. Arbitrum still has 57% of all of the layer two assets inside of Arbitrum yeah. one. Optimism has uh, 27%. And I really, I know we said this a long time ago, but I, I want to double down on this layer two beat. This is where we're looking at all of these stats. This really is like the default DeFi pulse of like mm-hmm. you know twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Remember yeah, DeFi yeah, pulse? Yeah. We we're just constantly like yeah, hitting the refresh button. Like DeFi is uh-huh. getting bigger. You know, it's at you know dollars $200, $200 now. Oh, it just crossed a billion dollars now. Uh, I'm doing the same like all, thing with l 2 All LTV, 20 right? of
1: us that were bullish on DeFi when we first <laughs> learned about the word, we're all like <laughs> using this as like validation. This is our, it was our validation website. Now this is our Layer 2 thesis validation website.
0: Well, look, we've got now $10 billion in Layer 2. So that's uh, about the highest it's ever been. From an activity perspective, we can plot the activity. And this line looks like it's going up. So you could see- God, uh, that
1: is a great chart.
0: <laughs> right? Look at the blue line right here, which is Ethereum. It's kind of holding steady, right? Because Ethereum, Ethereum trans- transactions.
1: A tr- Ethereum, Ethereum
0: transactions. This is an actual It's already maxed out. It's yeah, maxed it's already out. maxed out. So it's not getting any higher. But look at layer two. Look at it
1: rise. It's just. And like, dude, that is that is the calm before the storm phase of that line. We're not even in the bull run. We're not even in the bull run. That line is going to increase in, what's the word? Incline. That good thing is going to get steeper exponentially. Yeah. yeah. there's. there's so remember be- when we were, our scaling factor was like 1.5. Now we're at 4.5.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think what soon. we're- what we're seeing on this chart is is basically like optimistic roll-ups which were released yeah. like you know two years they have a two-year head start from uh zk yeah, roll we roll-ups. haven't even seen yeah. zk roll-ups kind of enter here and uh yeah, yeah. zk
1: zk things almost at half a bill bro that's not at, that's not a small amount half just a billion 20th
0: it's still four yeah. percent right so in order yeah, for zk uh-huh. to, to catch up it has to just not only like win yeah. but like it has to outpace yeah. what the optimistic rollups are doing anyway this is why mm-hmm. the wars are so fun and this is why mm-hmm. i keep hitting refresh on layer two beat and uh, looking at all these charts, but it's very good news for scaling Ethereum and uh, for the modular blockchain thesis. One thing I mm-hmm. would like to see, I will say, is is um, this column right here, in terms of the stage of decentralization. Uh, our, our best is stage one, which is still training wheels yeah. on yeah, sequencers. Yeah. And, and they're um, still
1: technically young, yes.
0: Yes. So Arbitrum is at stage one. Uh, Optimism is still at stage zero. I would like to see the zeros become ones. I would like to see the ones become twos. Uh, that will mm-hmm. make me feel a lot better. We would better like the uh, slices.
1: The slices all turn green. All those little different colored slices. We want those to turn green.
0: That's right. Want that too. Um, all right. Well, David, we got a lot coming up next. What are we covering?
1: Yep. Worldcoin launches, and everyone loves it and cheered. And then after that, we have a good bill and a bad bill. Bad bills in the Senate, good bill in the House, just passed the Financial Committee vote. Uh, Jake Stravinsky's got a take where he calls the vote a historic day for crypto policy. And then after that, optimism drops the law of chains. Laws? We're getting laws. Yeah, we're getting laws. I'm super stoked about it. So all of that and more. But first, I moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible, especially Kraken, a preferred crypto exchange for 2023. If you are accumulating crypto, like we said that you ought to be, perhaps, and not financial advice in the beginning of this show, perhaps use Kraken to get that done. There's a link in the show notes to get started accumulating. Let's go hear from them right now. Introducing Polygon 2.0, the value layer for the internet. For too long, the limitations of blockchains have held back app development and stifled user adoption. The internet allows anyone to create and exchange information. What's missing is a value layer that lets anyone exchange, store, and program value. That's where Polygon 2.0 comes in. Polygon Labs has unveiled a series of innovations that will radically alter the Polygon ecosystem and Web3 as a whole. By leveraging groundbreaking ZK innovations such as Polygon ZK EVM, the next iteration of the best class Plonky 2 proving system and a first-of-its-kind ZK-powered interoperability layer, Polygon 2.0 will give users and devs unlimited scalability and unified liquidity. Right now, there is a Polygon improvement proposal regarding a potential ZK-powered upgrade of Polygon Proof-of-Stake. If approved, Polygon Proof-of-Stake would become a Layer 2 ZKEVM Validium. So make your voice heard on this proposal by joining the Polygon Discord today. You have a chance to help the Polygon community give the internet the value layer it deserves. The WorldCoin project is now live.
0: It's on mainnet. The WLD, I guess it's wild? No, world. <laughs> the World token world, world, world. is in the wild. World. Orbs are deployed, and the crypto community absolutely hates it. David, they don't love it. it. Despises they hate this. it. They really <laughs> hate the this. It's the
1: least favorite thing that they've ever seen.
0: We're gonna talk about all of that. Um, First, I wanna show you this. So Sam Altman tweeted this out. Um, This is a picture, he says. I'll read the caption in a second, but you see this line kind of forming. I don't know where this is. It looks like um, possibly somewhere somewhere. in Japan. This massive line has formed. And the caption from Sam Altman is, day three of WorldCoin launch, crazy lines around the world, one person getting verified every eight seconds now. David, there is one person. Okay, so
1: why are people scanning their eyeballs? Because you get, if I, I understand it correctly, you get 25 world for just doing it and then one world a week. Then from the rest of time, world coin is $2 right now. So you're, people are waiting in line for $50 What's going yes. on? Why are we doing
0: that? $50 right now, but like, I guess number could go up. Um, and Sam calls a one person every eight, <laughs> eight seconds. I don't think number's gonna gonna going to go up to... at this valuation. I mean, we'll talk about uh, more of that, but can, can you, before we get into that, can you just describe what is mm-hmm. WorldCoin for people who've yes. kind of missed uh,
1: what this launch actually is and even what this project is? Okay, so WorldCoin is an attempt at a proof of humanity system that uses biometric scanning. So there is a bunch of different mechanisms that one could approach to try and produce a system that proves unique humanness. Uh, So this is an anti-Sybil platform. Uh, We've had a number of these uh, come into the crypto world with varying success. Uh, Circles from Martin Koppelman is one. Bright ID is one. There's a few others. Gitcoin uses a collection of them. Um, This one is unique in that it uh, attempts, those are the ones I just listed are like circles of trust, as in like other humans verifying other humans. This one is different in that it is biometric scanning, which is another way to prove unique humanness that also gives people the heebie-jeebies, uh, and so there's three parts of the Worldcoin system. There is World ID, which is what you get after you scan your eyeball. There is the orb, which is what we're looking at on screen here, which is this device produced by Worldcoin, which also has aspirations to be able to be produced by any manufacturer that actually does the eyeball scanning and attestation that that eyeball is the same eyeball that is already scanned prior. There is the World Token, the Worldcoin which is the coin that comes with this network. There also is the world layer two, which is an OP stack um, layer two that got uh, released not too long ago. and uh, there is also an app, but I think that's also the world ID. It's like this web, this mobile app that is your attestation for wherever you go on the internet saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a real human. So you could imagine it like sign in with Facebook, sign in with Google, sign in with Twitter, sign in with WorldCoin, except that mechanism is, would be kind of cool because the sign in with WorldCoin button would be a provable human. At least that's, that's the idea. Uh, and then also the WorldCoin aspect of this is also supposed to be some... A UBI attempt. So every human gets an equal amount of world coins distributed to them to their unique eyeball. Uh, and <laughs> Unique eyeball. Their unique uh, eyeball. So <laughs> their unique eyeball, yeah. Uh, and so in addition to all of the proof of humanness, it is also an attempt at fairly distributing a token equally across all humans across the whole entire world. Uh, and that's how I would summarize this and Sam Altman's part
0: of his reason for this is like AI is going to take all the you know right. human beings' jobs uh, basically, and so we need to know who all the humans are so we can give them some form of some form of uh, ubi basically mm-hmm. right and uh, right. you know um, not have just the robots kind of rule the planet and accrue all of the capital uh, That is his stated vision for this and Sam Altman is um one of the founders of this
1: actually. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the project, he's, he's the, he's the guy that found Alex Blania, the CEO, Sam Altman found Alex Blania. He was like, yo, drop out of school and help me build this worldcoin thing. Cause, cause I I'm build busy it. building OpenAI. Like
0: he's the vision guy. Well, let's talk about, so this yeah. went to mainnet. Um, it had been in yep. some sort of alpha version. It wasn't live. Yep. Um, it, people were being orbed, but in kind of limited, uh, capacities, but now yep. it's, now it's live. Now it's everywhere. This is the world coin, uh, coin itself. So market cap Mm -hmm. right now, fully diluted valuation of $21 billion. I didn't realize it was so high. That Uh, is nuts. WLD token trading at uh, $2.15 at this point in time. But um, a massive amount of the supply is like locked up. The circulating supply is just like a small, it's like 1%. 1%. 1%. So the actual market cap Um, you know, in terms of circulating market cap, is 239 million dollars, but fully diluted, it's 21 billion dollars, which is an absolutely insane valuation. I mean, what what does that? I guess like if you go to Coin, um, 21 billion, if it it puts
1: it at uh, right above Lido staked Ether and right below USDC, coming in, it would be number seven. It would bump Lido out. It would be number seven. Lido staked ETH. Yeah, it would be number seven wow, cap, Yeah, that's, of fully that's extremely, cap, huh? extremely inflated. That is one of the most inflated token launches that I have ever seen. This is
0: not a layer one, we should say. This is sort of um, deployed on uh, the yeah, opti- yeah, optimism, yeah. optimism, optimism. chain, right? It's like kind of a roll-up.
1: An OP, okay. is, it's a, it, oh yeah, actually, yeah, I think that's right. It is on optimism mainnet and it has aspirations and it will eventually become its own OP stack chain. Okay. One other thing so that-, that I didn't mention about the whole iris scanning thing is that they also say that they preserve your privacy by doing a ZK snark. So they're not creating a database of just like, here's Ryan Sean Adams, here's Ryan Sean Adams' eyeball. They're, Z- they're claiming to ZK snark that and, um, and so to maintain privacy.
0: Claiming is uh, a key word here, I think. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the, the community reaction here. I thought um, one of the most rational takes, as, as usual, is from Vitalik, and he wrote mm-hmm. an entire post about biometric mm-hmm. proof of personhood that really focuses in on WorldCoin. What, what, what's kind of your summary of Vitalik's post here, David?
1: I think uh, this isn't a direct summary, but I think my takeaway from this is that Vitalik goes through all of these different components of what makes a biometric proof of personhood system and then kind of explains well, this is how this works and this is how it leaks and this is how this works and this is how this is vulnerable and this is how this works and this is how this is vulnerable. So you get to the end of this thing, I'm like, hmm, there's a lot of like things that really need to go right for the system to work. Um, and so he just, he just kind of talked about every single aspect of it and talked about the ways that it's vulnerable. And after you get to the end and you're kind of like, well, that's, that was a lot of things. Um, and so that's why in the intro to the bankless podcast episode that I did with uh, Sam and Alex, I called it like one of the most ambitious crypto projects. And people did not like that phrasing, and, but they're not, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't serve that up very well. I mean, it's like, it has to do so much to work and it's the scale and scope of the thing is massive. And the requirements of getting this thing right are, are huge. That's what I meant by ambitious. Yeah, it has to get a lot of things
0: right in order for this to actually right. be a a, a good for the world, if it even can be a mm-hmm. public good. Yeah, this um this whole post from Vitalik, I can't recommend it enough. If you have you know it's probably yeah. twenty to thirty minutes of time to actually uh, read through it, but Vitalik starts. You'll by, learn a lot. Yeah, you'll learn a lot. He he starts by talking about why a decentralized proof of personhood solution is is even necessary. Why do we need the idea of decentralized? People, mm-hmm. Why do we need to know whether an Ethereum address is represented by one single person or many people or, or mm-hmm. a bot? The reasons he gives is that it's an anti-concentration of power sort of thing. If we want to do like a vote in a DAO and specify that mm-hmm. as one person, one vote. Um, if we want to do an airdrop and ignore all the bots, ignore all of kind of the, you know, the Sybil attacks and all of the airdrop um, you know, farmers who are creating multiple accounts and just distribute it to individual people, if we want to do some sort of credit system, like an Mm -hmm. on-off-chain credit type system for individual human beings, we need some sort of proof of personhood. So that is a good thing in itself, if we can somehow manage that uh, on-chain. But then he walks through this one specific implementation of proof of personhood, which WorldCoin is pursuing, which is biometric proof of personhood and that the exact implementation WorldCoin is pursuing is, is eyeball-based biometric uh, proof of personhood, which presents its own problems. But this, um, this kind of g- table at the end of his post, I think, sums it up. If you want decentralized proof of personhood, you kind of have two tries at this. One is a hardware biometric-based proof of personhood, and ideally it would be a specialized version of that. Um, you can get privacy, fairly high, he says. Accessibility and scalability, medium. Robustness of decentralization, it's fairly low because there's hardware, supply chain issues, all sorts of reasons why. Security against fake people, medium. That's what WorldCoin is pursuing. And then your other option to do this is a social graph-based proof of personhood where your privacy is kind of low because you have to trust a, a circle of other human beings to really um, you know validate you and verify your mm-hmm. personhood. Um, accessibility and scalability has been fairly low. Like these solutions haven't really taken off uh, yet, which is kind of the concern, even though they exist. The decentralization though is very high because it's bottom up and the security against fake people is also high. So he kind of contrasts all of these things and presents the world as a series of engineering trade-offs. I think one of of the takeaways for me from this post is that um, we shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket that's pro- this is a classic Vitalik take. That probably that's the a, best really, solution. is such a vitalic line. It is a blend of all of the above <laughs> yeah. that we kind of mm-hmm. amalgamate together into like the which the is actually what, what
1: Gitcoin uses in order to to achieve unique humanness on their platform. They don't they don't behold, behoove themselves to one platform. They just use an amalgamation of a bunch. Uh, we should
0: get into some of the other controversy here because, uh, as you said earlier, David, the uh, the crypto community mm-hmm. actually did not like Worldcoin. It was not received <laughs> with uh, <laughs> excitement. And I would kind of classify the critiques in a few various forms. One is critiques of WorldCoin themselves and the implementation approach that they're taking. And the other is a critique of biometric proof of personhood altogether. And then some people actually don't like the idea of on-chain proof of personhood at all. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll take the first one, which is like, WorldCoin sucks. This is um, right.
1: This is Lefteris. What what is he saying here, David? Yeah, Luvter says, uh, just a list of bullet points of criticisms about WorldCoin uh, and goes, 20% of the supply of world goes to team and investors. There are privacy concerns about the actual cryptography that protects people's eyeballs. There's malicious orb operators. And so the idea with this orb is that the people may, I mean, like operating these orbs aren't necessarily WorldCoin employees. It's the public. The public can operate, a public person can operate an orb. But then that means that one public person can try to manipulate the orb in order to scan other people's eyeballs and take their WorldCoin on their behalf. So that's it. That's, that's issues. you can, you can also tinker with the orb. So that's his next one, malicious slash compromised orbs, uh, bribing poor people with tokens for an eyeball scan. And then his last one, which is kind of just like the vibe of the whole thing is it just feels really dystopian. I mean, it's and called yeah, Right, it's called WordCoin. It's got a chrome orb that you stick your eyeball into. The one of the founders is the guy making like you know AI after Banklist. We just did a bunch of like AI Doom episodes. Like, it's the whole thing is just like a perfect storm of dystopia, yeah. Dystopian feeling. Um, here's a more specific
0: take list of issues from Zach XBT, my issues with WorldCoin. He says, most alarming to me is how the WorldCoin team has boasted about how many users they have when in reality they have been exploiting people in developing countries. This is sourcing an MIT Technology Review article from 2022 about that. Um, Verification that you're a real person seems to only be currently enforced at the enrollment level. And so what this has led to is the emergence of a a black market for accounts. So you can buy a WorldCoin Mm. account on Telegram you know, a dollar per WorldCoin account. It's being attacked uh, in that way. Um, And then some criticism about the token allocation. There are a few more. So this is under the category of like, WorldCoin sucks. And so you can find a lot of critiques uh, for that, including another one from Andrea M. Bailey. WorldCoin is still stupid and bad in four points. Number one, the team incredibly was not prepared for people to sell credentials. That's the issue I was just mentioning. It doesn't solve the one problem it was supposed to solve. There's also some criticism about uh, the foundation that WorldCoin, the kind of the org structure uh, they're creating. Uh, that's
1: That comes with the territory. Everyone complains yes. about the foundation of every project.
0: Giving insiders 20% tokens, so it's that kind of thing. So yeah. one mm-hmm. category of mm-hmm. critiques is just about WorldCoin and how it's implemented and how it's yeah. being done itself. But going back to those circles, um, another category is is basically broader than just WorldCoin sucks, uh, that that critique. It's a category of all biometric proof of personhood sucks. Like we should right. never use yeah. biometric proof of personhood at all. And going down that path will lead to dystopian outcomes.
1: Yeah, I was talking to one of my friends, uh, Scott Lewis. Uh, he, he gave me a take that I, I'll, I like to read out, actually. He goes... Basically, every futurist thinking on biometric scanning has concluded that biometric scanning is absolutely oppressive technology, and there has been a dedicated effort to tell stories where the use of biometric scanning was used by oppressors. Not everyone in the world needs to become a domain expert on exactly why biometric scanning is consensus scary technology in the eyes of generations of science fiction writers to understand that there is a consensus that this stuff should not be effed with. Reality land... Current governments are the arbiters of who a person is in many, but not all, governmental systems. If the initial read of the government seems incorrect to you, you have a clear schedule of codified rights and options to appeal and correct that decision. Replacing that oracle with a profit-maximizing corporation composed of Sam Altman cronies who offer zero recourse is much worse. We have a good track record of corporations in similar positions offering no effective recourse to their customers when they are deplatformed. WorldCoin would be in a position to deplatform someone from the literal claim on being a human. Dystopian isn't a feeling in a situation like that, it's inevitable, which I thought was a good analysis of the whole context. Because, like, there's a very specific like critiques of Worldcoin about specific implementations, and then like there's the broad sweeping strokes of like the whole vibe is just illegitimate, and, and, and people just are going, have to trust the vibe across like, the spectrum like serializing yeah. people in this way hasn't worked out
0: well. yeah, don't the, serialize you know, the, people, yeah, don't mm-hmm. serialize people. I mean, one pushback against that take um, before we get into it, though is like, aren't we already being serialized in you know so many so many ways? Yeah. Um, I'm just like, every time I- And, and I, this
1: time we have cryptography. So well, like you get to serialize people and then ZK snark it. I just, I feel like-, like I think that's a valid take.
0: I, I think our uh, tech companies are already doing that. Every time I, I stare down yep. at my iPhone to unlock it, right? It's like yep. doing facial recognition, yep. biometric um, recognition of my face and it's unlocking
1: it. You know, if you if you don't look at the camera- it won't unlock. It needs your eyes to look at the camera on on your well, iPhone. Well, you
0: even look at uh, you know kind of Apple's new VR goggles, right? That's just directly right. iris yeah. unlock, <laughs> iris scanning unlock, right? And I'm yeah, there's like This is, this is so there. this is such a messed up position to be. It's like I'm excited about that product, yeah. and like maybe I shouldn't yeah. be. Maybe yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I should be uh-huh. fearful of that product. Uh, anyway, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's another criticism. It's just like biometric proof of personhood. Descends into all sorts of like corporate dystopianism. There's another critique, I think, which is uh, a which is a good critique and worthwhile. And that's um, we already have better decentralized proof of personhood protocols. So Circle, Bright ID, Gitcoin, Passport, proof of humanity. These are social graph based. You kind of build a web of trust. Right. So I know you, David, so I'm willing to like vouch for you and you're a real human being because we've met in person, so Mm -hmm. I'll vouch for you and you know someone else, you'll vouch for that person. You kind of build from the bottom up this social graph-based approach. I think that's totally valid and I love those approaches, by the way, and we've talked about them on Bankless Mm -hmm. several times. My challenge with those is they just haven't scaled yet. Right, like we don't have hundreds of thousands or millions of of users on these things, and I'm worried that they just might not scale. Uh, Maybe we can crack the code here, and I'm still optimistic, but that's kind of the the worry. But here's my takeaway after this episode. What cypherpunks seem to think about on-chain personhood. First of all, our current state is the nation, right? So we all have passports, and the nation can go bad depending on your government. So if your government goes evil or authoritarian, right, you know, nation-state serialization is going to go bad for you. Uh, the second okay. method is biometric. And the criticism I think most, many in the crypto community say is that, well, anything biometric becomes a corporate evil because you need hardware to go collect all of the irises and that ends up being owned by some evil corporation. Maybe WorldCoin is, is sort of one of those. And so it always descends, it's flawed, and can often maybe always descend into a corporate evil. And then number three, social graph that's, um, that's still decentralized, and that really remains our best shot. And I'm sympathetic towards mm-hmm. that. I just, I worry that number three is not scalable. But there's also, David, a whole bunch of people who think we don't need on-chain personhood at all, which was interesting right. uh, to actually consider. This was from-
1: I think n- that one's a cop-out.
0: <laughs> well, this is from Nick. Uh, before you dismiss it, this is mm-hmm. from Nick from uh, ENS. He, he says, unpopular opinion, truly decentralized, trustless, civil resistance, or proof of humanity is impossible- you know, he's not saying, he's not saying that like, it right. wouldn't be, it would be great if we could do it. He's saying you can't do it. So it's,
1: it's theoretically impossible. Yeah. yeah.
0: He says we should stop trying to make it work and instead focus on building systems that don't assume individuals are unique humans. So he's like mission impossible. You can't even do it anyway. So stop trying. We don't need it. We can rethink our, our um, systems beyond this. So. That I think is a, a summary of uh the crypto community's mm-hmm. reaction to all of this and all of the criticism. I want to turn towards something else though because there was also some criticism of Bankless like why did Bankless yeah. decide to have world going on? Uh what's what's what do you want to say about that?
1: Uh well, it has a ton of attention and so that if there if people's attention go there then my attention goes there. Also, there's obviously the poll of like Sam Altman. And then there's obviously also the poll of Sam Altman on Bankless. Like that's just kind of cool. I will say you weren't there on that episode because it was Mother's Day. It was like a Sunday. And so I was taking it while I was in the middle of Zuzalu. Um, why, Why did we have WorldCoin on? Well, it's a huge project. It's a massive project. There's only so many proof of personhood projects out there. And this is the only one going after the biometric sector. So like... Just as of understanding the scope of like the crypto rabbit hole, the biometric proof of personhood is a part of the crypto rabbit hole. It's a part of like the things you can explore. So I I considered it a legitimate place of exploration. Then there was like also criticisms of like the way that I managed that interview, which is... I didn't, I didn't really push back on anything. I didn't really have like, any critiques for them. I kind of just let them walk through the project and explain themselves and say, here's what this does and here's what, how that works and this is a WorldCoin project. I'm like, great, thanks for coming. Granted, I only had 60 minutes. There was a hard stop. And so that is a extreme constraint on my ability to be, to be thorough. And also the other half of my ability to be thorough is like some of the tech stack behind A, the hardware and the zero-knowledge cryptography that keeps things private I don't have the skill set to vet that. And so I have to just kind of run on trust and faith of people who actually can be more technical than me. And so my intention of the WorldCoin episode was, hey, Crypto Universe, hey, Bankless Nation, here's the WorldCoin Project, here's an episode with Sam Altman, discuss amongst yourselves. And then I get back to like, Bankless, why the f did you host this? (laughs) These people, why did you not talk about like the dystopian nature of this? Why did you like tee it up in the intro as like one of crypto's most ambitious projects? And I'm like, I guess I got the vibe wrong. I could have been more critical. I could have pushed back more. Um, But at the end of the day, it's just like we're all. I'm also feeling like I'm caught in the middle of bankless you're so opinionated why didn't you have an opinion on this one like yeah. you're so opinionated about ether you're I, so opinionated about layer twos why didn't you have an opinion on Worldcoin? to at the end of the day it's like i sometimes i'm in a particular state a disposition a, a mood i don't have the mental like capacity to be mean to sam altman and I, a a guy who i don't really know who he is i don't know i'm asking for a forgiveness uh, <laughs> are I, you really if I, a, Do you know, I guess
0: yeah i think so i uh, think yeah. uh you, like I appreciate that. I, I think that um we could have wrapped that episode a little bit differently, but I think what yeah. people maybe some people don't understand if they just hear that episode, maybe didn't catch the debrief or don't understand mm-hmm. the wider context of what we do is like episode 1 is kind of like about worldcoin, it's kind of a conversation uh, starter. It yes. doesn't stop yes. at the first episode we right. freaking do on worldcoin. <laughs> all right? We're going to not do our like canonical. the, the WorldCoin <laughs> panel of all of the critics about mm-hmm. WorldCoin. We're going to do the episode with all of the decentralized web of trust alternatives to WorldCoin. We're going to do an episode of the pros of the cons. We're going to see how
1: this whole project turns
0: out. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another element to it.
1: And then, and then there was also the critique that's like, oh yeah, Sam Altman and WorkCoin paid Bankless to co on the podcast. And yeah. I've said this, you've said this 10,000 times. Well, 10, I take offense times, we'll to that. 10, <laughs> I take offense to that one. That one, I yeah, they, they need to <laughs> apologize do that for that one. Yeah. Bankless has never, never and will never ever take money for, for content. That's never happened on the newsletter. We have no investment interest. We have no investment interest. There's no other investors of bankless. We're beholden to no
0: one. People make up, you know, people can make up anything on the internet. Uh, anyway, Mm -hmm. um, this was kind of a deeper take too. This is, um, a DeFi cheetah saying, um, I thought the alternative to Worldcoin was bankless. Basically the implication of like, Why do we even need a world coin? Like, I thought you guys were bankless. And I just wanted to push back on on that and support the idea of of decentralized identity, decentralized proof of personhood. So guys, just so you understand, bankless is an alternative to banks. But today, nation states provide our core identity. So you get your passport. They are the arbiters
1: of identity. Yeah,
0: they are the AML KYC. It's a passport. It's a license. Banks don't do that. Stateless is the alternative to states. And if we want to do mm-hmm. cool things, like one person, one vote, or on-chain credit without relying on the state to, to need to know who humans mm-hmm. are, then we need some sort of decentralized identity, okay? WorldCoin is right. building a protocol to tell who the humans are without the state, all right? I don't know if this is going to work out well or if it's going to be bad. Um, but I I've, I just saw a lot of anger this week on crypto Twitter about this, and, and some, some of it is totally warranted. Some of the takes that we just read yeah. were completely warranted. Some of it is really uninformed. And my encouragement is basically Mm -hmm. to channel some of that anger into building. Like, if we don't like what WorldCoin is building, once we pop the hood and look at it, let's build another alternative. Because that's that's what we do at crypto. I mean, we're crypto and we build. So that's my encouragement. Let's not give up on decentralized proof of personhood in general. And so... I guess my take on all of this, David, after listening to the um, conversation that you had with Sam Altman and uh, WorldCoin is, I like, I'm still undecided mm-hmm. about WorldCoin as a technology. I'm cautious, mm-hmm. I'm open to it, because I hate that uh, AML KYC and state identities is the only way forward for you know some of these use cases. Um, I see decentralized personhood, proof of personhood as an unlock, and maybe we can do it, maybe we can't, maybe biometrics is a really bad way to do it, maybe it's not. I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach. I'm not at this yeah. point willing to get orb to myself, all right? So if that gives you uh, my statement of faith about the WorldCoin project, I wouldn't do it. There's not enough value for me. I'm kind of like, I haven't heard enough uh, compelling reasons why. And I'm not supportive of WLD tokens. I have no comment about that. I have no idea what the value oh, of comments. WLD might be, but it's $21 billion, guys. So just go think about that. Yeah. What I care about most is the conversation about this that we're having as a community, I think that's important. And um, I think that's been opened up in a positive way. And also competition. I just emphasized, if mm-hmm. we don't like what WorldCoin is doing, let's build a better decentralized alternative. Do something alternative.
1: else, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: so anyway, yeah. that's uh, that's my take on things.
1: Yeah, on, on the whole WorldCoin um, token question, we have a, a question from The Nation, Kyle Kaplan from, from the Bankless Nation Discord. How does WorldCoin token plan on accruing any value? UBI sounds nice and all, but we all know you just can't print money out of nowhere. I I think it's a huge question about WorldCoin. Why the F is this thing 21 billion? Is that what it is? 21 billion when it only ever gets issued. Like the only bull case I can articulate for the WorldCoin token is that the humans deem the distribution of Worldcoin so incredibly legitimate and fair that they want to be a part of that. Very it's competing fair as a money, isn't it?
0: In the same way, Bitcoin, yeah. Ether, in the U.S. dollar, maybe. And maybe. Gold is I don't
1: even know if it, if it's doing that. I don't even. But that's like, the only value they it have. Can have. I I don't I don't even know if they like Alex uh, Blania from Worldcoin has a statement about what he thinks about the Worldcoin asset. He probably can't mm. say it because he's the issuer of it. But like, that's a very dubious value accrual. It's just legitimacy in of itself. Plus when you see Telegram snap screenshots of people selling, hey, I'll sell you a WorldCoin account for $1. Like that very much erodes that value proposition. Like there's yeah. other like theses about it. Like it's a graph for just because it's fair. Like I don't, I don't see the value accrual.
0: Yeah. Neither do I. I I still do think yeah. it's competing in the money, the monetary value category. Right. And it has to. Yeah. I just I think don't it think it has there, a good at shot least. at that. But like it's yeah. not producing transaction fees. It's not a cash flowing asset. Right. So meme value right. money. But the, the, the question from Kyle is interesting. It's like um, UBI sounds nice, but we all know you can't just print money out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, but isn't that what Bitcoin and Ether did? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you can get a uh, meme bootstrapped and kickstarted mm. and enough people believe in a money in the story. Right. They can
1: solve the problem later. Yeah, yeah,
0: you can solve the problem now. I don't think that's the path that WorldCoin is on, but I'm saying that <laughs> if there is a path to it being worth billions of dollars, th- my take is it the path is going to be a bunch of people believe it's a monetary it's instrument a money, yeah. and it's used as a monetary yeah. instrument.
1: I, yeah, I'm so bearish on that. <laughs> I'm
0: so bearish.
1: Because <laughs> then it competes right next to Bitcoin and Ether. Like, it's not going to survive that fight.
0: Bankless Nation, you can make your own decision on WorldCoin. If you haven't caught uh, David's conversation with Sam Altman and Alex from WorldCoin, then go ahead and catch it. There's a link in the show notes, and also it should be in your RSS player. David, enough about WorldCoin. Let's do a good bill, bad bill. There's some good news in Congress for crypto, at least the U.S. Congress. So this bill hasn't passed But it's a set of bills that are very positive uh, for crypto. And they were just voted on by the House Financial Services Committee. And they passed that vote, which is a pretty big Mm -hmm. deal, apparently. Jake Chervinsky calls this vote a historic day for crypto policy. There's two bills that are wrapped up in this in the House that are pretty crypto positive. The first is called the Financial Innovation and Technology for the 21st Century Act, so this is a framework for issuance and trading of digital assets at the SEC and CFTC. You know that whole clarity of like what's a commodity mm-hmm. and what's a security? This bill directly addresses that. So we actually oh, get some clarity here. The thing that Gary Gensler never gave us. That's what the mm-hmm. uh, the FIT is doing for us. Mm-hmm. And that's part one. Part two, David, is the Blockchain Regulatory uh, Certainty Act it clarifies that non-custodial blockchain developers and service providers this would be like miners, validators, if you're an at-home validator, wallet providers that they never custody consumer funds and don't have to register as money transmitters. You know the nightmare scenario of you run the, your own y- solo Yeah, that was the er- and-
1: that's like the earliest bill that came in that like deemed that hey, if you're part of a, if you run a node, you process a transaction, therefore yes. you have to be a money service. That was that was the very first like crypto like fire alarm that we had. Oh, my God. It
0: would be so scary. It would basically mean that it's kind of illegal without being registered to to be a validator (laughs) in the U.S. Yeah, Yeah, the good news here is that this is bipartisan. So um, 35 members voted for it versus 16, 35 to 15 at one. And 25% of those 35 were actually Democrats. So some bipartisan support that we haven't seen. Uh, Tom Emmer, of course, led it. Um, I wanna play you this quote from Richie Torres. He's on the Democrat side and he was weighing in on comments for it. Here it goes.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair, I'll just offer a few thoughts. I mean, there are profound philosophical differences on the subject of crypto and uh, there's almost no point in relitigating those differences because it's been extensively debated here today. But um, I find myself unpersuaded by the notion that the status quo is working You know, a status quo that gave us the largest crypto Ponzi scheme in history is not working. It's by definition failing. Um, My assessment is that the status quo is dangerously deregulated and requires regulation. Albert Einstein (laughs) said if we do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, that's the definition of insanity. And the time has come for us to break the cycle of insanity that governs the application of securities law to digital assets. Now, there's a difference between securities law as we as individuals might think it ought to be interpreted, and securities law as it has been interpreted by the courts. And the Southern District of New York has held...
1: Yeah, I really like Richie Torres. That, that guy's great.
0: Yeah. Big fan. Uh, great comments there. And the the one thing we mm-hmm. wanted Congress to do is to provide clarity, and that's what this bill is doing. So Tom Emmer is going to be one of the architects of this bill. I think the next time we catch him, we'll probably be at the Permissionless Conference. That's uh, happening in September. Yep. We're throwing that conference with BlockWorks. <laughs> that's the 11th through the 13th. Yep. This is going to be a topic of discussion with Tom Emmer, yep. for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, David, we got a bad bill, though, too, and it's coming from the Senate. You ready for that one? Oh, Yeah, Yeah. no. (laughs) It's sad. In contrast to that, the Senate is proposing a bill. I'm going to read you the title here. It's called the Crypto Asset National Security Enhancement Act of 2023
1: you catch that? I don't like those words. <laughs> national Security Enhancement Act. Yes. I don't give a F what's in that. I don't like it. Yes. Uh, you
0: know, it's going to sound a little Orwellian when it has national uh-huh. security and crypto asset in it. Security Enhancement. Enhancement Act. <laughs> <laughs> this f- one is either. also uh, bipartisan, but only unfortunately it's bipartisan. Again, this is coming from the Senate. But basically, it mandates that DeFi protocols and anyone who controls them or makes them available have to impose bank like surveillance for their users. Mm. So that would mean DeFi uh, controllers, great. right, need to vet and collect information on their customers, have to do the AML thing, have to report suspicious activity to the government, have to block sanction individual users from the, their protocols. Do you remember the stuff that SBF was advocating? like a year ago in some of the crypto legislation that he was like proposing being like, you know, I think all DeFi protocols, interfaces, uh, app user interfaces should have AML KYC and and complete (laughs) state surveillance and are basically money transmitter banks. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of that. Um, Bill Hughes from consensus has some takes. He said, this thing is a doozy. Um, he says, In summary, it deems that digital asset protocols defined really as any software deployed on chain is controlled by that's controlled by backers. And the backers are those who develop or retain meaningful control over the protocols and transaction facilitators who develop and make available applications that facilitate use of the protocols. Basically, what this means is that any US originating or residing person or an entity who invests more than $25 million in building a protocol or owns that much or more in the governance token, if you even just own the governance token, okay mm. um, anyone who develops and offers the front end of the users or owns the governance tokens would deem to be in control of the protocol for sanctions and AML purposes
1: National right? security enhancement get the F out of here S- they're just they're just like saying every user of crypto get the F out of the way we need to catch North Korea
0: basically and For entrepreneurs or those investing in kind of like, you know, governance uh, protocols or those building interfaces on top of protocols that, you know, some bad actor might use, uh, Mm -hmm. they would be part of the responsibility tree here. So Bill uh, concludes this by saying, if this legislation goes through, bye-bye permissionless global computing, at least as the U.S. is concerned. Uh, Really bad news. And I think, David, this right here is like, Gensler is kind of a sideshow compared to this Mm -hmm. to me you know when crypto talks about the final boss this right here national security yeah national security is is the final boss if like if crypto dies in the u.s it'll be to protect us from terrorists and bad guys and yep that's why this bill is (laughs) kind of worrying coming from the senate side of things
1: anyway we got Uh, good news and bad news this this one and just hope that for the best
0: yeah Well, you know, we got some good news coming up in the next section. What are we talking about,
1: David? Coming up next, optimism drops the law of chains. I'll walk you through all of what that means in CoinDesk is being sold to my first boss in crypto. I'll talk talk to you about that. (laughs) Chainlink launches the CCIP protocol, all these things and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Metamask portfolio. You already have a Metamask account. So your Metamask portfolio is waiting for you. There is a link in the show notes to open up your portfolio with Metamask. Let's go hear from them right now. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, Metamask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have Metamask wallet, so go check out your Metamask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io portfolio. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed onto Arbitrum One. With a flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystem, Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide A builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. Arbitrum empowers you to explore and build without compromise. Visit arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app on Arbitrum. The law of chains, optimism drops the law of chains version zero. So what is this law of chains? It's starting off as a document. It's a document kind of like, I don't know, a constitution of sorts that is going to be iterated on uh, in the OP stack world, in the world of optimism governance. The idea here is the, the problems that we have are the OP stack is getting forked and deployed new chains, like almost every single day, right? We got base, we got Zora, we got the the WorldCoin token uh, chain as well. Uh, There's a few others ones as well. Uh, Oh yeah, we didn't mention that. WorldCoin is deploying Mm. on the OP stack. Yeah, I mentioned it. We mentioned it. People okay, are forking okay. the OP stack. I don't want to like putting WorldCoin back change. in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Dave wants <laughs> to forget about them. The, <laughs> yeah. The OP stack is getting forked. So now there's all these OP stack standard chains. More chains than what can be managed. So like what do you expect users to do? To go to MetaMask and drop down and go to like, okay, here's OP stack chain one, OP stack chain two. No. Mm-hmm we want just one. And so this is the law of chains is the first step along that process. So from the law, this is what I wrote in the tweet, from the law of chains spawns the OP super chain. This is where we're going. Uh, And so because of every single new OP stack chain is a different chain, we still want them to behave like one chain. But since adding new OP stack chains to the world is completely free, completely open, completely, completely permissionless, how do we actually determine what is in the super chain versus out of the super chain? Because you know, any since anyone can fork the OP stack and spin up a new chain, that chain could be a rug that chain could be you know, an exploit, that could be a bad chain. So if we want all of these OP stack chains to converge into the super chain, they all need to pass a certain threshold of quality assurances. And this is what the law of chains puts forth. It's you must be this good or higher to be included into the super chain. And so this is the document that the OP community is working on to determine what is that line? What is that threshold for inclusion? And after that, we can start to have collective bargaining power for all the OP sac chains that are in the super chain. And so what does that mean? Uh, the cost to spin up a new ether scan, like the optimism ether scan, RB scan, poly scan, or, you know, talking to Infura or Alchemy. These are, it all takes, those are deals that have to be inked. That has labor costs. But when all of these OP sac chains are formed under the same standard with a very strong level of quality assurances, All of a sudden, all this can cohere into one single collective of chains, and so EtherScan and all these people can start to treat these chains as equivalent because they are. Uh, And so this is what the law of chains has started to kick off. Um, Is it basically like what is it though,
0: David? Is it like a document that is it like a? It's a a proposal of standards.
1: It's a proposal of standards. It's a document that is proposing standards.
0: Okay, and then uh, basically these are the standards for joining like the Confederacy of all of these. All of these yep. chains, and if you meet this threshold, yep. this, this then you can be adopted into this this confederacy of chains. Is yep. there some sort of like mm-hmm. formal body that votes and is like, yeah, this chain's good, that that chain's bad. We're letting this one in. We're booting the other chain, or is this? Are we not there yet? The first step is just to establish. I believe the, that is a part of, of the
1: process that is being proposed. Hmm. That is what needs to be figured out. Well, very now. interesting.
0: Uh, there's some takes about this yep. too, including from Alex from uh, the ZK Sync, What did he say? <laughs>
1: yeah I thought this was pretty funny. so Alex has he is on team ZK stack so this is a in the layer two Wars, this is a layer two Wars tweet uh, and so he's going TLDR, OP stack, many chains, one choice, single shared sequencer, centralized MeV distribution, protected by laws and governance and then he goes, ZK stack, many chains, many choices pick your own sequencer, handle MeV your way, protected by math and code. We are not the same he follows
2: through
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then his next tweet kind of walks himself back a little bit and goes, "I must add, although my preference for individualism and sovereignty is obvious, I admire Optimism's brilliant work on governance and public goods funding mechanism designs. We all learn by winning from each other, making Ethereum Layer Two ecosystems richer and stronger." So some spicy takes out of Alex out of this whole like law of change thing. I will say, uh, I mean, gotta give credit to where credits due. Optimism has all the chains, like they've got they've got base. They've got Mantle, they've got WorldCoin, if you care about that, but I'm putting that one back in the closet. Um, They've got Zora, uh, which is the Tezos, like the media network, but now on Ethereum. Uh, And so like you got it. And so when we were looking at the stats earlier of like optimism, beating trumping Arbitrum in transactions, that's just mainnet. That's not. What about all the other chains? What happens when all they, all of those chains, form into the super chain? That I think is really cool. Uh, we're going to do a podcast with Jesse and Ben on this whole concept because the the negotiation between Coinbase and the OP Collective as to help. What does what does that relationship look like? has carved out, like, room for this whole law of change thing. So this is a big learning moment for everyone.
0: Well, since you're being the optimistic roll-up bull, allow me to be the kind of the the ZK roll-up bull for a second. What I would okay. say is this is just the first inning, though, David. And, like, we got yeah. a lot more innings. And it's actually a miracle that uh, ZK roll-up technology has kind of come to market so quickly. And I do think that there's something mm-hmm. to this last point that Alex said, which is uh, protected by math and code rather than laws and governance. Mm-hmm. It's basically, like, zk cryptography it's magic moon math right and you could do things with zk that you can't do with fraud proofs uh that you know
1: what you can do with zk ryan you can turn an optimistic chain into a zk chain (laughs)
0: let the games begin i think um we'll we'll have to see how it plays out and
1: uh, again check Mm -hmm. layer two beat for the progress here but this is just the first inning Mm -hmm. um And disclosures, Ryan and I love the OP stack and the ZK stack so much. We are advisors to both Optimism and ZK Sync, the producers of both the OP stack and ZK stacks. Really the common denominator is we just love stacks. I love stacks. (laughs) I love them. I think they're so great. Love
0: decentralization. Speaking of stacks, David, StarkNet still building in the background. This is, of course, a ZK-centric ecosystem as well. Uh, They announced last week that they're incredibly excited to introduce StarkNet app chains, they say StarkNet is- American. They're announcing
1: a stack. That's what they're- It's, it's their stack. Yes. They, now they have a stack. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, this is an app chain stack as well. So this is another fantastic team who's mm-hmm. building the StarkNet stack in the ecosystem. And mm. it's interesting to see this. This came about in our Polygon conversation earlier this week with the founders of Polygon. It's just like there's some convergence in layer twos. To oh, yeah. like the stack-based uh, model, where you have your yep. kind of general-purpose EVM type of chain, and then you have app chains, and you're creating like a full stack for chain developers mm-hmm. to deploy to your ecosystem, and all of the ecosystems are competing against one another. Um, they're also working together in some weird ways uh, against other side chains and alternatives. It's um, yeah, it's a very interesting time to be in crypto on the infrastructure side. I'd say.
1: I love it. I love it so much. It's like, <laughs> finally, it took two years more than I thought it'd take to get to this point, but finally, here we are. Uh, Uri, Uri Kalodny of Starkware, he will also be at Permissionless. So if you are interested in the Starkware stack, he'll be at Permissionless. Uh, David, I got to ask you,
0: because all of the tweets we've been reading out this week, I don't even know if they're tweets any longer, because,
1: look at, <sighs> this is called... Na- okay, we're doing this? Yes, all right, we're, we're doing, doing this.
0: this. Elon Musk has just transformed Twitter into X the everything app. All right, see the big X on the top left? No longer Twitter, this whole thing is called X. It's a big rebrand, and this is part of his plan to make, I guess, Twitter, now now X, into some kind of super app. What's your take on this so far, David?
1: Uh, it, actually, it, it's worth noting that uh, X.com was Elon's first startup that actually made him his first money. I'm really fuzzy on the details. Um, but like he's had X.com for a long time. That was like something to do with PayPal. It was like one of his first startups. It was going to be, be an online bank, actually, like a startup. Uh, and it, it was going to be the X bank. And so this is not uh, Elon's first flirtation with this whole X thing. Um, so he's like pulling this out from downtown, like out of his pocket that he's, you know, just being kept up to his sleeve. And now Twitter is now X. There's so many things to talk about it. I don't even know if we have enough time to go into it, but it's like, man, they're called tweets. The bird is blue. It's a blue bird. Everyone knows it. It's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's, it's Instagram. And all of that is just completely thrown down the trash. Like brands take forever to get built. And now we have this extremely basic X thing. We, they're called Zeets, X-E-E-T-S. We're supposed to be zedding. Really? Now we had a uh, we had a t- we had a spaces with Taylor Monahan and I do I, are they X spaces now cuz that sounds dirty. I don't want to be <laughs> in an X space with anyone on on Twitter or excuse me on X.com. Like uh, I, Okay, so this my take about when uh, Elon first bought Twitter was it's probably going to break and get clunky and then if he can do it it'll get better from there. Yeah. So But it has gotten so much worse than I've ever thought possible. And he's trying to rotate it into a super app. Like you're really testing my conviction, Elon. Like I'm not enjoying this. Yeah, I mean, he's saying some pretty bold
0: things. Like if done right, X would become half of the global financial system. Right? Uh, Wow. What do you mean he's saying pretty bold things? He only says bold things. I mean, Elon only says bold things. Yeah. This is. I mean, this is. Is he going to incorporate crypto? What's that going to look like in the future? I, I just got to be honest on the branding of this. You look at kind of the left versus the right, and this was someone's take. Going to be honest, this new widget design looks like an app for, membership, for membership-only human trafficking gentlemen's
1: club headquartered in Budapest. <laughs> I mean, look how- Is look. your, my app is, my phone is still Twitter. It's still a blue bird for it's me. Is yours Twitter. an X
0: now? It's, uh, I don't think it's, it's turned a, into an X, but just the top left- On your phone, I even mean. Even here. I don't know. I haven't looked at that, but like the top- So of-
1: many of these things don't make sense now because now we have the Twitter blue. If you play, have that circle tweet button, it's a feather. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elon. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> Stop messing with my life. There,
0: there's, a, there's a broader, I think, conversation here, which is, um, this may be a rumor. I'm not sure what to make of this, David, but- um, this tweet says, yesterday, the owner of Twitter handle at X tried to sell it for $1 million. And minutes ago, Twitter or X, Elon, took it away from him and transferred the old at Twitter account to it. And the owner received $0. This could be some speculation here. But the point is, like, your handle you don't know. on Twitter, your handle on X, like, you don't own. Is Elon's. It's not a domain name. It's Elon's handle. It's not. It's, it's, so one thing I guess I'll say is, um, we I'll give credit to Elon in this. I think Twitter has always towed the line of trying to be like a public square and like a public good and an open protocol, but like that being a facade and not really doing it well, you know, it's just like, well, if it's an open protocol, it was a
1: private company trying to produce a public square and they did a pretty good job of it, but it was still a at the end of the day. Then
0: it started to like fracture, right? Like, well, do you censor a tweet or not? Well, if it's a public good, you don't, but if it's a private company, then you do. Uh, Elon has completely ripped the mask off of that. This is very clearly a private company. This is Elon's app. When I tweet, I am tweeting on X, Elon's private property. I know my Mm -hmm. position in this ecosystem. I am a surf for (laughs) like Lord Elon, basically. And so I know that at least, and I can choose whether I want to continue to invest in this or not. Um I think a lot of people will will choose to pursue more open real public alternatives and maybe that's where web3 and crypto finally starts to take off but at least with Elon we kind of know where we stand this is a private company and a private application and as a user you can either use it or not but you don't necessarily have 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 rights on this platform you don't have any <laughs> assets that you own
1: yeah yeah, I I want this story to hurry up and finish. Like, can we just can we get to the Super App or can we go back to Twitter? But this like limbo, I yeah, don't like awkward. being here. It
0: a feel awkward stage. Yeah. Speaking of awkward, I don't know if you call this uh, awkward or progress here. Uh RFK Jr just confirmed that he purchased 14 Bitcoin, David. So he's now joined the club 14? officially. Right. Uh that's uh $415,000 worth of Bitcoin. Um, yeah, $414,000. Okay. So he's All officially right. part of the Church of Bitcoin. He's a holder at this All point right. in time. I don't know if he's doing he, that for investment fits, purposes he, or Knowing
1: what? the little bit I know about RFK, he fits right in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take that as you will, RFK. Uh, David. Ryan, uh, do
0: you remember my first job in crypto? Uh, didn't you work for like some shady
1: ICOs or something? <laughs> No, no, even worse, dude. It was an ICO advisory agency. Wow, wow. <laughs> David, the, the yeah. scammer. <laughs> uh, I mean, only in hindsight. In the moment, <laughs> I thought I was leading a revolution. Uh, I was a mere community manager. I, I would write blogs. There, uh, anyways. I worked for this uh, company called New Alchemy, which was a. Uh, it did a big few, a big number of ICOs. Aon Network, like A I O N, if you remember that 2017. Uh, interoperability, it, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then everything ground to a halt when we realized that all these ICOs that we're doing are secure. Uh, and that's actually where I got my securities training. Uh, anyways, like my knowledge base. Anyways, uh, the owner of New Alchemy is this guy, Peter Vesnes. He was my first ever crypto boss. And wow. so his, after that company blew up, uh, he's been in Bitcoin since forever. Uh, he's now in like a family office, VC firm, uh, Capital Six. Uh, and him and uh, Matthew Rosnack, which is another name I have not heard of a really long time. Uh, one of the, another one project that we did was called Metronome, which I think Matthew from, I think he's from, Um, I remember Metronome. Yeah, I remember Metronome. Metronome was cool. Um, Anyways, that investor group has offered $125 million for Coindesk, the news agency, which we Mm. frequently use here on uh, the weekly roll-up. And so my old boss and a few other of his, uh, you know, investor friends have offered $125 million for Coindesk. So I don't know if this is going to go through, but everything sounds like it will. Uh, so yeah, Coindesk is mean, I think an sold.
0: important detail there of why is Coindesk selling, it's because parent company DCG yes. has been in some financial trouble recently. And yeah. so they need I to
1: liquidate. Yeah, they need, they have like a billion assets. dollar hole. So they've got 800, over a billion dollar hole. So they've got like, you know, about a billion dollars left to fill. Got <laughs> some to bills to pay. Too much. Yeah, yeah, so CoinDesk might be a casualty of that. Uh, yeah, you know, 125 million is 125 million. We go, uh,
0: David. Uh, so synthetics. congrats to
1: everyone at CoinDesk. You now
0: work for my old boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so does that mean they work for you in any way, or is no relation? No, it does not mean that. That <laughs> no, is not how that works. <laughs> uh, synthetics is releasing something <laughs> big, something new. David, what's Kane Warwick up to these days?
1: Yeah, so Kane Warwick is releasing Infinex as a layer on top of synthetics to help go toe-to-toe with centralized platforms, centralized exchanges. Uh, and so this is just kind of a more user-friendly layer on top of synthetics, uh, And so it is just a normal registration like a centralized exchange, username, email, password, uh, and it will sign you a unique margin account for every user, um, no, no new token. Uh, so it'll, it removes all the steps for participating on Synthetix because Synthetix now is on Optimism. So you don't have to bridge there anymore. You don't have to require SUSD. You don't need to sign every action. It's probably gonna look and feel a lot like Coinbase or any other centralized exchange, but you do have an Ethereum address. Uh, and so this is going to release alongside Synthetix V3 later this year, um, anyone can join. And so beta testing is currently in process.
0: That's great. You know, you know why I think partially what screwed us over in 2022 Mm-hmm. is um blockfi celsius all of these centralized right. uh, c5 like they were so easy to use it was mm-hmm. just the app just worked yep. um and defi really hasn't had that so if we can smooth out the yep. user experience then
1: uh i think we can really grow this cycle one one theme i've been noticing ryan compound the comp token recently has a really strong performance uniswap is releasing uniswap x even though i don't think the token price is doing all that crazy of things synthetics volume is painting numbers bro 500 million dollars in a single day from quenta which is uh, basically another uh, synthetics like plugin uh so if, if you scroll down you see that little chart synthetics has never been used more than it has now Wow. Like, look at those numbers. That's, that's the most that's ever been used. Uh, since OG its existence. DeFi
0: is making a comeback. OG huh?
1: DeFi is, is well, yeah, it's like, it turns out that, remember the whole DeFi 2.0 yeah. mania phase? That was actually the top. Yeah, it turns <laughs> out, no, it's, it's DeFi 1.0, man. It's DeFi, DeFi 1.0. 1.0 that's upgrading to yeah. 2.0 in the background quietly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Something that is actually new into the DeFi world, Superfluid has introduced Superfluid subscriptions. So Superfluid is a streaming payments startup. So if you would like to trickle pennies trickle. in microtransactions over time, uh, Superfluid is is that. They are releasing Superfluid subscriptions. So you can manage access to software APIs, content community, however you want to see fit. Uh, so that's something that's been released. It's been a long talked about use case in crypto, streaming theoretical money, use case. Forever. Streaming money. Talked no, forever. and it has been used in gaming, I think. Has it's gotten some traction, but I haven't personally seen a use case for it that has impacted my life, but I did throw Superfluid over to our web developer, Ryan, and say, like, hey, does this does this work? Can you slap this into bankless.com? Yeah. Uh, and so he's investigating that. Uh, disclaimer, uh, I am an investor in Superfluid. Ryan is not, because he forgot to sign the document. Yeah, and I lost that email. <laughs> I didn't sign those papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, sorry about that one,
0: bro. Bullish on the use case. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, you know what? This is also kind of a bullish use case, I think, for Chainlink. They just launched their cross-chain interoperability protocol. Uh, CCIP Hmm. is what this stands for. David, this reminds me a lot of what uh, Layer 0 is doing, if you're familiar with that. Layer 0,
1: but Chainlink-flavored this time.
0: Okay, well, for those that aren't familiar with Layer 0 and Mm -hmm. with um, what Chainlink is doing here, can you kind of uh, describe what this CCIP protocol, what the CCIP uh, features is actually adding?
1: Yeah, so the first step to transferring tokens across chains is transferring messages across chain, because actually tokens and data, they're all the same thing. Uh, And so this starts there, um, but it's basically a cross-chain messaging platform. Since Chainlink has the security of the link token being staked, and it has some amount of assurances about passing messages. So you start there, and then you can build up further and further use cases. And so cross-chain collateral deposits, cross-chain NFTs, cross-chain gaming, cross-chain data storage and computation. It's like a super bridge. Um, yeah, it's like a super bridge. Yeah, mesh network bridge thing. But it's uh, more so than that because you can build on top of
0: it, right? If you want to build an app that supports multiple chains underneath, like Avalanche mm-hmm. and, and you know other EVM chains, uh, Layer 2 mm-hmm. and Ethereum, then you can build that on top of this new protocol in Chainlink. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I believe so. That's right. I have not looked too deeply into this because, A, I don't really like bridges to begin with. Um, and B, the Chainlink army is always up in my mentions and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. But uh, you know, <laughs> at the same time, Chainlink has always had great tech, right? Um, they support a lot of the oracles in this space, so they're doing yeah. some good things. Uh, well, Flashbots tech. has become a unicorn after a $60 million raise. So unicorn status is a billion or above. That is Flashbots, mm-hmm. the MEV platform. There's a lot of uh, conversation about... The development of what they're calling Suave,
2: which Suave.
0: is a new MEV chain. It's it almost yeah, seems to me of, it's yeah. like it's a it's a marketplace for mm-hmm. block builders and 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 searchers and the whole kind of block all the participants chain.
1: of how a block becomes a block. It's like a marketplace. It's a chain marketplace for them.
0: I feel like we need a series of episodes on what's going on in the block builder supply chain space to yeah. like fully unpack this and understand it. But um, it seems like private investors are understanding it, willing to upgrade. But in the meantime, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, MEV folks, including Hasu, uh, at Permissionless. That that conference will be another nice Mm check-in. So another reminder to grab your Permissionless ticket. There's a theme of this week. If you haven't. (laughs) The theme is accumulate and grab a Permissionless ticket. Um, David, we got
1: a lot more to talk about, though. What's coming up next? Yeah. Questions from the nation. We got an Eigenlayer question. They seem to be pretty frequent this week. Then we got a takes of the week. I got a take from Mike Ipatio. We'll talk about bridges there. And then I wrote an article. And so there's five takes in there that I'm going to burn through really quickly. And then of course, what Ryan and I are bullish on. And we got a hot meme. It's very hot. It's very hot. You want to stick around for that. So all of that and more, but first a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xmantle. Hiring people worldwide, paying them in crypto, providing them access to benefits, it all so complex. But it doesn't have to be. Complying with labor laws, payroll rules, tax obligations, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone is difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly. And it's drawing more and more attention from regulators and governments. But there is good news. Toku is here. Toku is the first employment and compensation platform for the crypto industry that makes this easy. Toku helps you hire employees or contractors and pay them in fiat or crypto legally, compliantly, and with all the taxes handled in over a hundred different jurisdictions. So whether you're an early stage company with just a team of two, or you're an enterprise with 200, Toku has a solution that meets your needs. Toku is already working with the leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So, transform your employment and token payroll operations with Toku. You can reach out to Toku at toku.com slash bankless, or click the link in the show notes.
0: Question of the week coming from Onium.eth. Uh, the question is this. It seems to me that Eigenlayer is positioning Ethereum as a kind of security reserve for other blockchains, much like how the US dollar serves as a reserve currency, providing economic security globally. By enabling Ethereum's security to cross borders into other layer ones, Eigenlayer appears to be enhancing the overall security of the blockchain ecosystem. The question is this. Could you delve into this analogy and discuss the implications of this security globalization? Hmm, I like that term. Hmm, How could this impact the future of Ethereum and other blockchains? This idea of security globalization and Eigenlayer. What's your take here?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. You can definitely tell Onium.eth, who asked that question, thinks Onium, is like, that's uh, that's a bankless vibe question, putting these things into like geopolitical country, nation state terms. Um, so like uh, the United States passport, probably the most valuable passport in the world. That's probably a fair take. You can get into the most countries with the United States passport. Like you can just walk across almost anywhere and everyone's like, oh, well, welcome to our country. I think what, what they're getting at is that Ether does the same thing for all of the restaking networks. So all these restaking networks is like, oh, you're were Ether. Please welcome and you know, sit yourself down and also consider providing us some services while you're here. It's pretty, pretty similar, I'd say. Uh, why does why did Eigenlayer choose Ether? Why didn't it choose Bitcoin? Why didn't it choose Solana? Well, it couldn't choose Bitcoin because Bitcoin's not proof of stake and it's not a smart contract. Why did it choose Ether over Solana? Well, because Ether has all the economic bandwidth. It has all the value. You, if you're going to have a system where you need to have your collateral, your, to be trusted, you need to post collateral, you need to post the best collateral possible on the network that has all of the networks. Uh, and so that is just Ethereum. Uh, and so this is part of the story of capital begets capital begets capital. Uh, and so you just are, the most number of doors are open to you. Uh, and so your security, your collateral can transcend across boundaries because those boundaries desire your capital the most. And I think there's pretty strong parallels with what Onium is saying here. Hopefully that was unpacking that analogy enough to their satisfaction.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is like the direct answer to the question to me is how how does this impact the future of Ethereum in the context of reserve currency status? Mm. My take is it cements Ether as the reserve currency of not just Ethereum, but of like crypto and all of the other blockchains. In the same way that kind of the, the dollar has been Reinforced through the US's military security and economic prowess as Mm -hmm. the reserve currency of the world. Like the liquidity and the network effect that you were just talking about, like the um, capital begets capital, security begets security sort of network effect, that just compounds if Eigenlayer is successful. Right. Um, because the, Imagine there just, being
1: like 10, 15, 20 tokens on CoinGecko mm-hmm. and they're layer one tokens or they're network tokens mm-hmm. and they're secured by Ethereum.
0: Yeah. I mean it is just um, it is probably the the single most bullish thing if this takes off for either the asset since oh, yeah. I don't know, staking since staking. ultrasound money, yep. since EIP 1559 yep. Like it's absolutely massive, um, I think, in its ability mm-hmm. to build mark- network effect. All right, let's go to some takes of Great the week, question. David.
1: Coming in with takes of the week, we only have two. This is Mike from BlockWorks, and this is a post-ECC uh, take. He goes, if there's one thing I learned from Paris is that market makers are bridges now. Uh, and this is a conversation that's slowly been brewing and I think really has crescendoed with Uniswap X. Uniswap X, also CalSwap, I think also perhaps uh, Suave itself. These are all platforms that allow for bridges to be completely, uh, abstracted and also like kind of largely routed around. It's really bridge. Almost minimalism. obsoleted, right? Uh, yeah. You still need them, but you need them in the minimal fashion.
0: Yeah.
1: And so why is that true? It's because, uh, market makers, wh- what does it mean? Like, why are market makers bridges now? Say Ryan, you have ether on the Ethereum layer one and you would like to have uh, die on the optimism layer 2. Instead of hopping, instead of making a trade on uniswap and then hopping over a bridge, what you can do is you can just post a transaction, not even submit a transaction to ethereum but broadcast a transaction that says to any market maker, hey, I have this much ether, give me as much die as possible on the chain that I want it to be on. Like I and just broadcast might...
0: my intent. I don't actually have to exactly. commit to the transaction.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And then a market maker is like, well, I'll take that deal. And maybe a different market maker is like, well, I'll take that deal too, but I'll do it better. And all of a sudden the free market fulfills your order and puts your assets in that you want in the place that you want. And you never had to touch a bridge. And like the, the bridge security is like minimized. Uh, and so this is kind of the, a meta that has been unfolding. is like bridges are kind of just being routed around. Yeah, this is another
0: series of Bankless episodes, honestly, to get into this whole world mm-hmm. of intents rather than transactions. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need some content on this to fully unpack and understand it. But yeah, yeah that is an yeah, emerging yeah. Uh, you know, meta here. David, uh, what are some other things you learned from ECC? I, I saw you put a post out in the Bankless mm-hmm. newsletter this week. So what were some of your key takeaways?
1: So uh, yeah, I actually took some time and wrote out an article to about my big takeaways from ECC. It's about 2,500 words and I'm going to read it. Let's go. I'm kidding. I'll just read the headlines. Uh, the big ones are protocols are becoming commodities. Uh, okay. My big TLDR here is that by the time the next bull market uh, comes around, the cost of Web3 compute, trustless computation, data, whatever we need to do Web3 Drops things. to 0 We'll have... We'll have approached its theoretical minimum. Like that's one mm-hmm. of my my big takeaways, and you can explain my reasoning and all the 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 tidbits of data that I have about that. So that's the first one. Second one, protocol convergence and verticalization. Uh, so Ave just launched the Go stablecoin. MakerDAO just launched Sparks, which is an Ave type money market. Frax has already had both of these things, and they also have their own L- internal LSD. So these things are all starting to a, a become verticalized and b converge in their same design patterns. We it's already like have the twos. convergence.
0: It's like, it's all like all well, the that, that's where I was going next. It's all the stacks.
1: We have all the stacks, and so those are all converging on the same design patterns. Then you have Uniswap X becoming a vertical on top of Uniswap. So there's a pun- a bunch of convergence and verticalization going on. So that was my next big one. But then after that, it's like okay, we have protocols that are maximally cheap. We have Uh, DeFi apps that are becoming maximally like as as vertical and wide as possible, it's now time to think of the consumer. And I don't, only just mean more apps to buy more block space, but can we build front ends like Infinex, like what Kane is doing at Synthetics? Can we build front ends? Can we build apps? Can we start doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on building consumer level stuff that is built for people that have never touched a private key? That's my call to action on there. And then my last big takeaway is the modular summit versus ETHCC. There's two different conferences here. Uh, some are just like the different dispositions of, of who, who you find where. But my big takeaway from modular summit is like, that whole community which is it's like the Celestia espresso uh, the layer 2s the eigen layer that side of crypto is just racing out into the frontier they are developing and discovering things so quickly they are the actual frontier of thought i'd say um and so that's my takeaway there and then just as a conclusion if you haven't caught the theme of this episode yet next up is permissionless uh Mm -hmm. so that's going to be where the next bankless meetup is uh and uh the bankless party it's going to be like 200 plus people for all of our citizens and and friends and everyone we want to party with
0: that's awesome, man. Those are some good takeaways. Um, each of those could be episodes as well. I feel like we need to dive into these <laughs> yeah, topics some more. This is true. This is true. Uh, what are you both on this week, man?
1: Right behind me, like I said, is uh, the Matterhorn, and I don't climb wow. it tomorrow. We would climb a training mountain tomorrow, but uh, then we come back and rest, and then on Sunday I climb it. So it's just that like a giant spike. Of my three. Yeah, it is a giant spike. I'm actually kind of bummed that that cloud is there, but it's that cloud doesn't go away. Um, this is your picture. You yeah. like this. That's, I, that's right outside of where I am right now. Wow. Yeah, so so I'm, how do you, get, how running. do you actually get there? Do you, so you just like there's drive a big up? Uh, is there... Yeah, no, there's no car. Actually, I'm in a city with zero cars. We have to uh, oh, wow. ditch the car, park the car, take a train in. And then the Airbnb that we have is like 20 minutes away. So we took this like a little electric taxi. It was kind of cool. Really cool town. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why oh, okay. I'm bullish on. I'm bullish on climbing the Matterhorn and hopefully successfully.
0: Are you going to plan a big bank, bankless flag up there at the top when you get oh, there? Dude? Yeah. Of course. I
1: never <laughs> missed such an opportunity. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Ryan, bankless what are you, uh, what are you bullish on?
0: Uh, you know what? You, despite this week and all of kind of the, pu- the pushback um, and the anger mm-hmm. about WorldCoin, I'm not going to say I'm bullish on um, WorldCoin because I'm not, but I am <laughs> bullish on digital proof of personhood. Um, I just feel like crypto sometimes underestimates how much we're going to need this. Right? There's this yeah. like huge meta problem that's hitting us right in the face right now, which is like, we don't know who the bots are and who the people are on the internet. It's like, on Twitter, mm-hmm. I don't know, those 500 retweets, Is how many of those are bots and how many of those are people, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, what tends to happen over time is if the bots have the level of speech that humans do on the internet, and we can't tell human from bot, then it starts to fracture society. Like, democracies yep. run on trust. like democracy is kind of a, you know, a conversation between all of its citizens. And if you can get civil attacked by a whole bunch of bots, if your democracy can be civil attacked in that way and destroy the fabric of trust, destroy the conversation, uh, then you could destroy democracy. I, I feel very strongly that like human beings should have freedom of speech on the internet, but I don't think that extends to bots. And so if Uh, we can't tell Mm -hmm. who the bots and who the humans are, we got a real problem. And the the status quo, the only way we know how to do that right now is either you have kind of like the tech companies partner with the government to do some sort of like state ID, driver's license, um, passport, AML, KYC thing. I don't like that. That's what we're we're headed. That's like the default, right? And so that's bad for a lot of reasons. Um, But I guess it's something. And I guess... What I'm bullish on though is that we can get to a place, crypto can play a huge role, maybe the fundamental role, in creating this stateless identity. And in order for a stateless identity, proof of personhood online to work, it needs to be decentralized, it needs to be permissionless, it needs to be private, it needs to un- be unsensible. Those are the things that crypto is really good at. If this type of thing doesn't come from crypto, where's it gonna come from? No one else is building this. Mm. Silicon Valley is not building this, the tech companies aren't building this. So I feel, I've always felt like this with, with crypto, which is like act one is separation of money and state. Act two is separation of identity and state, right? Like yeah. we need both of those abilities if we're going to make it through the potential dystopian authoritarian scenarios that, you know, the 21st century is going to throw at us. So mm-hmm. I don't know how this will look. I don't know what kind of the, the best solutions are, whether it's kind of a you know social graph-based solution or something else, whether biometrics plays a role in it or not. But I would encourage us with all of the kind of the pushback on WorldCoin, and there are a lot of good reasons for pushback to be had. Let's not lose sight of this use case of uh, decentralized proof of personhood. I think we're going to need this one. And uh, I yeah. think crypto has a big role to play. So, you know, here's a podcaster tell, telling all the devs to go build something cool, but like, we got to go build something cool, guys. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, yeah. that's my take. Great take. Great take. You want to get to the meme of the week? I've been waiting for this one. Uh, an old Gary I I Gensler do. meme that sort of fits in. I David, can't did you, you haven't see... talk about this? Yet, yeah. Okay. So this was like UFO week. <clears throat> I don't know if you caught this. like somebody in, con- in front I of Congress have just caught the tail of this.
1: All right. I yeah, would yeah, not have tapped in. Uh, There's Gary Gensler, picture of Gary Gensler, our favorite. And he goes, All these UFOs. They're going to need to come in and register. You're going to have to come in and register. <laughs> We're going to need you guys coming. There you go. It's coming to my office. We'll
0: end it there. I have no take on UFOs at this point as another thing. I'm just uh,
1: trying to. I mean, if these UFOs can just abduct Gary Gensler, that sounds like the more likely outcome.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, risk disclaimers. <laughs> Got to let you know at the end of every Bankless episode, of course, none of this has been financial advice. It's not alien advice. Nothing of the sort. <laughs> Uh, You could lose what you put in, but we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.